Welcome to the Ask Zach Show. I'm your host, Zach Childs. I've spent the last 30 years working in the music industry here in Nashville, Tennessee, during which I've done everything from touring with major artists like Brad Paisley and Carrie Underwood to playing the nastiest dive bars or even the occasional wedding. This show is all about barreling down the rabbit hole on all things guitar and the music we love. We will cover the legendary players, gear insights, and even some interviews along the way. I hope you enjoy. To support the show, follow the links in the description to find out about my Patreon page. Or go to my store at AskZach.com to pick up a coffee mug or t-shirt. Now, let's dive in. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Ask Zach. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most uh, collectible and iconic catalog guitars of all time, and that's the Buck Owens American. This guitar was made by Harmony and sold in the Sears catalog, and I guess in Sears stores also, for a brief period of time, it was really kind of like 71, 72, maybe into early 73, and uh, and then it was gone. And uh, it's kind of lived on through both Buck and also some other players that have uh, used it through the years that have made it so popular that these guitars go for, you know, $2,000, $3,000 now, especially depending on condition, and uh, they are cool guitars. So today, I'm going to tell the story of how this guitar came about. I'm going to talk about, uh, you know, how to date them and, uh, you know, a lot of the things that, uh, you know, kind of Buck's thoughts as he was, uh, you know, putting this guitar together, having it made. Also going to talk about, of course, the players that besides Buck that popularized it and have kind of driven up the prices in the last couple of years. And then finally, I'm going to tell the amazing story of how Buck Owens from Beyond the Grave provided for his estate, his company, his uh, Crystal Palace, um, you know, kind of honky-tonk with these guitars. So it's an it's a incredible story that uh, only Buck Owens could, could do something like this. So, all right, so before we dive in, I just need to thank all my Patreon supporters. Uh, it's because of you that I'm able to do this. If you want to find out more, then go down into the description. You can find a link to Patreon. All right, let's dive in. So in the late 1960s, 1969 to be exact, Buck Owens started performing on a television show called Hee Haw. And, of course, it was kind of a country version of Rowan and Martin's Laughing, which was a very popular uh, kind of comedy show at the time that had a lot of guests on it. And the difference was is that Hee Haw had uh, musical guests. And, of course, they would perform, and it was more, of, of course, a music show. And also it was very rural. And as part of the show, Buck 
had a, a special acoustic guitar built for him by Simi Mosley of Moserite fame. He had a red, white, and blue acoustic constructed, and that's what he used on the show. Well, the show turned out to be pretty popular, and people started asking about the red, white, and blue guitar. Well, Buck was smart enough to know that um, that Moserite, you know, at that point, um, probably couldn't construct all the guitars that, that he needed, and so he decided to reach out to Gibson. So he began negotiations with Gibson and its mother company, uh, CMI, and pretty soon uh, Buck kind of backed away from it being an actual Gibson model because of cost consideration. So Buck wanted this guitar to be affordable, and if you looked at something like uh, the cheapest Gibson acoustic at the time was the LGO, which was an all mahogany model that had ladder bracing, which that's you know usually your, your most inexpensive acoustic guitars have ladder bracing on them, which for those that don't know, it means the top of the guitar, instead of having X bracing, it has just straight pieces of wood that are put across either three or four of them usually. So an LGO was around $179 back in the day, which in today's money would be about $1,300. Well, Buck wanted to charge $82.95, which in today's money would be about $622. So that's, of course, accounting for inflation. So the decision was made to shift it from being a Gibson-made model to being a Harmony-made model, which CMI also owned Harmony. And so Harmony guitars were, of course, made in Chicago. So instead of it being a Kalamazoo Gibson-made instrument, it was shifted to being a Chicago-made Harmony guitar. So Buck had uh, certain you know, considerations that, that he wanted. He wanted it to play really easy. He was very difficult about the prototypes and about it being exactly how he wanted it to look and sound and feel. And so this has a 25 and a half inch scale length. Uh, you've got a mahogany neck, as far as we know, rosewood fretboard, birch uh, back and sides, and the top is spruce. And you can see the spruce right here on this little ring in the middle where it's unpainted, which is kind of a neat uh, touch inside, in, you know, inside the little rosette. You have the, uh, the spruce. Of course, you also have a, a rosewood bridge, and it's adjustable which uh, was something that was a, a major consideration for Buck. He wanted it to, to play well, and it has a, uh, a truss rod also. So you know, even though it was a budget-friendly model that was going to be sold in the Sears catalog, he wanted it to be a, you know, a good, solid instrument that a, uh, you know, a early player, a young player could afford, but also that would still be a good stage instrument. And he used these. So, you know, of course he used the Simi Mosley guitar, and the way that it's easy to identify when he's playing the, uh, the Moserite made one is it does not have this headstock shape. It has the Moserite M on here. Now, of course, this one is missing its head plate, uh, which is a very common occurrence. So, we'll talk more about that later. So, of course, he did a, uh, you know, red, white, and blue uh, you know, paint scheme on the guitar that, of course, also covers the uh, the back of the neck and the body 
and uh, yeah, it's really cool. And it was a way of, during a turbulent time in the U.S., um, you know, Buck was wanting to show his uh, patriotism. And so it would kind of start with this, with the, the Moserite guitar and, and the, you know, Buck Owens American. And then it would go on to uh, also be, this paint scheme would also be put on a number of uh, Telecasters and, uh, and P-Bases and such that uh, the Buckaroos would use live. So, uh, the instrument finally, you know, made it, you know, to the Sears catalog in the, in the fall of 1971. And of course, as I said before, it sold for $82.95 without case. And these would arrive in a Sears box and they would be, you know, pretty well packed. And it was originally called the, uh, the 1219. And even though they have an H169 number in the body, and that could be, you know, the, the Harmony version of the model, but as far as Sears was concerned, you know, it was the, uh, the 1219L. So, uh, you know, of course, these sometimes will have, uh, you know, different stamps inside of them. And the way you date them is that in really small, uh, in a re really small stamp, they will have an F or an S, and that stands for, uh, some people say it's first half of the year, some people claim it's fall. I think it's first half of the year, but it, it, it could be fall. And then S, which would be second half of the year or spring, depending on uh, how you land on that. And then the next two digits are the, uh, the year. So this guitar has a, uh, an F70. So this was made in 1970. So it looks like they geared up and made a bunch of these guys uh, in 70 and then started selling them in the catalog in 71. Buck negotiated some kind of, uh, we don't know if it was a flat dollar rate or if it was percentage, but he indicated that he was getting 250 a guitar and that his first royalty check was for $15,000. So that would seem that they sold about 6,000 of them, at least, you know, right off the bat. So that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. So these, this guitar was not meant to be a regular model in the Sears catalog. It was, uh, it was supposed to be a limited edition. And so it was, you know, basically sold through 1973 and then it stopped. And then of course, two short years after that, in 1975, Harmony would completely close its doors and have a big auction. And they would sell off everything. So this kind of connects with a later part of the story, but somehow Buck ended up with at least 600 of these, okay? So original Harmony American guitars, he ended up with hundreds and hundreds of these guys and had them in storage out in Bakersfield, California. And I don't know if this was part of his deal with Harmony or whether he got them when they were auctioning off everything, but regardless, he ended up with a bunch of these. And of course, we're gonna touch on that in a moment. So Buck, of course, played this guitar, you know, all through the hee-haw years, all through the 70s and into the 1980s. And he then had a reissue made in Korea that was nearly identical. 
except that uh, it, it has a non-adjustable bridge and then it does not have the natural spruce here. It's painted white here, but it has the, uh, the headstock, uh, <laughs> of course, the one that I don't have. And, uh, and otherwise it looks really close to an original one, but that's the way you tell the difference is it has a non-adjustable bridge and then it's painted white here on the inside. Next came in the early 2000s, uh, Fender had, had worked with Buck on a, uh, a Japanese-made red, white, and blue Telecaster. And apparently, Buck had worked a deal where they made more of these guitars that had this headstock shape, except it said Buck Owens in script and then had the three stars. And those were made in China. And so Buck had a bunch of those made up and he would sell them from the, uh, the you know his uh, Crystal Palace there in, in Bakersfield. Um, let's talk about some of the players that uh, that really helped popularize this guitar besides Buck. Now, of course, you know Buck kind of made this thing iconic, and uh, I have to show this now. So I have a Buck Owens coloring book. So this is an original one from the 70s that was Omnivore Recordings actually included this with like a, a, a plastic 45 that they uh, sold a number of years ago. I think it was for record, uh, record Store Day. And this is really hilarious. And of course, you know, you have Buck with the red, white, and blue guitar. But this has all sorts of little crazy things, you know. After playing golf, Buck practices his new American guitar before his recording session. I think that's a little bit of promotion for this guitar. All right. Players besides Buck that use this. The first one that really you know, helped popularize it was Pat Smear with Nirvana. So he played on the MTV Unplugged, and he was playing one of these that apparently was a bass player's uh, guitar, and he had it uh, both mic'd and he had a Bill Lawrence sound hole pickup in there. And, uh, you know, you can plainly see the big black smooth covered pickup with the Bill Lawrence gold script on there. Um, so that, that kind of made it a, a cool and interesting guitar because of its appearance on Unplugged, which was an incredibly popular television show. But the guy that really threw these guitars into the stratosphere as far as, you know, what their worth is and their collectability is Ryan Adams. So Ryan started playing these guys, and immediately they, uh, they shot up in value. And there's a really cool video with, uh, you know, that Stu Mac did with Dan Erlewin uh, restoring his. So uh, these sometimes can have some issues, because, I mean, they're not, uh, they're not badly built instruments by any means. It's, this is a good guitar, and, uh, you know, it has, it has a good sound to it. Not a bluegrass guitar, even though I kind of 
played some quasi bluegrass there. It doesn't really have enough low into it. And part of that has to do with the adjustable bridge. So whenever you have an adjustable bridge, basically you have the strings sitting on this bridge piece here that then is, is basically hitting the wood only with two points. So you, you, know, you have the screws here. So you don't have really good contact. But it's a good, loud guitar. And really, to a sound man, this is an amazing sounding guitar because it doesn't have the woofy low end that a sound man is just going to pull out. It's loud, it's ringing, it's bright, and those are all things that Buck wanted because, I mean, that's what he wanted his guitar to sound like because that's what everything, you know, with Buck, everything was, was kind of bright and ringing and twangy. And so, yeah, it has a very clear sound. And, of course, you can... Finger pig. So, really, really cool guitar. But uh, again, yeah, it was really Ryan Adams that really took these things into the stratosphere as far as collectability. And uh, again, these are going in the 2,500 to 3,000 range. Uh, there are um, a number of guys that do restorations on these. Some of them will just, you know, kind of fix them up some. Other guys will change them to X-braced because this is a ladder-braced guitar, and that was part of how to keep the instrument uh, less expensive. And so, again, instead of X-bracing, it has a couple ladder braces on there on the top. And so there's guys that will take the back off and, and they will uh, you know, convert it. And they'll also take off the bridge. Well, some of them will change this. They'll pull the adjustable part out and they'll reuse this and they'll put an insert in there that's solid, that's non-adjustable. Um, and uh, yeah. And then you have other guys that will just completely replace the bridge altogether. All right. So the biggest problem with these old guitars that were made by Harmony are the headstock kind of overlay decal. So here you can see a piece of it. So this was printed on a kind of pit guard, white pit guard material that unfortunately would warp and become brittle and it would just break off. So there's a number of different guys that will fix these. There are, at times, there are decals that are sold that are just the white part that says Buck Owens American and the three stars. Sometimes people will sell a decal that has the blue part also, and basically you would need some kind of white pit guard material or wood that you can do that with. Scott Baxendale um, does, uh, what he does is he makes a wood veneer and then he paints it you know, white and blue, and, and then puts a, a transfer on there for the Buck Owens American, you know, logo and the three stars. But, uh, so right now I'm in the process of, uh, I had someone that watches the show that is very, very kind. Uh, he uh, was kind enough to, he's going to be sending me a decal that has the blue and the white on there, so I'm going to need to make some type of uh, background for this. So I'm trying to decide whether to have something made out of wood or to make something out of white pickguard material. But uh, yeah, so I will be fixing this at some point. Um, 
One of the things that's really significant about this guitar to me is the Buck Owens acoustic, the harmony, like this, this was the first really cool guitar I ever, well, the first guitar I ever saw in person. I remember being a little kid and going over to my grandmother's neighbor's house and the teenager that was living there, he had this sitting on a couch. And I remember vividly seeing it and it had a guitar pick, you know, wedged in the, uh, in the strings. And I just thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And the teenage boy made it very clear that if I even tried to touch it, he was going to hurt me. So I, uh, I did not touch the uh, Buck Owens American that was, uh, and this, again, this was in the 1970s when I, when I saw it. But it's always kind of held a draw for me. So I need to thank Aaron Parker at Glazer Instruments for, for selling me this. Um, he has, he had two of them and he, uh, reluctantly uh, parted with this one. And uh, this one does have a, a headstock break, but uh, that doesn't bother me at all. It just made it to where it was a little more uh, affordable. So, because again, these guys are, are, uh, are not uh, inexpensive anymore. Um, let's see. Let's finish out with the, uh, the way that Buck provided for his company after the fact. Uh, after his death and during COVID. So this information and some of the information before came from Jim Shaw. So Jim Shaw was a buckaroo from 1970 and, until today. I mean, of course, you know, Buck Owens has passed away, but the buckaroos will still perform some. So Jim Shaw played keyboard. So if you ever see you know, any footage of Buck with a keyboard player, that's Jim Shaw. And he usually stood up and played. And he's a great guy. And he was also, uh, you know, helped run uh, Buck's businesses. And so he runs the, uh, the Crystal Palace, the, you know, the, uh, the honky-tonk out in Bakersfield. And uh, he's a, a wonderful guy and he provided a lot of information for me, so I have to thank him. And he told me that uh, they had hundreds of these and that, I'm talking about original Harmony ones, and that through the years, that Buck would give them as gifts to people. So he would have uh, a brass pit guard made up just like this one. And well, of course this is tortoiseshell, but in the same shape, he'd have a brass pit guard made and he'd put it on there and it would have a message and it would say to whoever the star was. So here's an example of the one he gave to Ringo Starr that sold for, I think, uh, was it like 51, yeah, $51,000. Um, and you know, and so there you can see kind of what he did. Um, but he would give away these guitars to, uh, you know, to people that, that he liked or performed with. And in later years when he had the three different versions, so he had the harmony, the original USA harmony, he had the Korean one, and then he had the Chinese, you know, Fender made one that he would, depending on if they were, if they were a serious guitar player, like if he was given one to Vince Gill, then he would give one of the old harmonies and he would call it the Gibson, give him a Gibson. And that's just because that was kind of how Buck remembered the deal was that, you know, of course this was originally going to be a Gibson guitar, but it ended up being made by Harmony. So I thought it was really interesting that he did that. So then Jim Shaw shared with me that these guitars, you know, both the, the USA made harmonies, the, uh, the Korean versions and the Chinese made ones, those are what kept the, uh, you know, Buck's, you know, Crystal Palace open 
during, uh, during COVID. So, you know, of course, they couldn't be open to the public and they still had bills to pay. They still had property taxes and all sorts of things to pay for. And so basically they became a uh, guitar seller and they went through hundreds of these guitars and of course the Chinese and Korean made versions and they, uh, they were selling them new old stock. They were coming in the Sears boxes and it's an amazing story because it's as if Buck, you know, from the grave provided, you know, for his company you know, for his legacy, because at Crystal Palace, it's not just a, you know, a bar and performing area. It's also a museum and it's like, it's his legacy and it's an incredible place. And if you ever have a chance to go to Bakersfield, you really need to go to the Crystal Palace and you need to go see somebody play and you need to get a chicken fried steak and, uh, and, uh, get you a drink from the bar. It's, it's an amazing place. And I've had the honor to play there and I even got to play there with Buck and, uh, that's a whole nother story. Meeting Buck was like meeting John Wayne, but um, yeah, Buck was an, was an amazing person. And uh, it's just like Buck to step, for, you know, to from the grave provide for his uh, Crystal Palace. All right, I know we've, uh, we've gone along today, but uh, I need to thank a couple of people. Again, I need to thank Aaron Parker for selling me this wonderful guitar. He's the guy that installs benders at uh, Glazer Instruments. Great guy, great friend. I need to ask, I need to thank some of his cohorts there at Glazer that helped in this too. Uh, Max and Adam, and uh, of course, uh, Nick Druschel. Um, also, uh, I need to thank Jim Shaw again, uh, a buckaroo, a living buckaroo. There's not many of those left. And for all of his info that uh, made this episode possible. All right, guys, I hope you've enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Ask Zach podcast. If you want to dive deeper, check out my website, askzack.com, to find more articles and further info on each episode. And remember, it is the support from you, the listener, that keeps the show going. Thank you, friends.